listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston, and we're starting a new series today. It's called The Significant Sevens of Revelation. Well, that's, uh, is that the series name? It is, isn't it, David? Yes, that's the series yeah. name, Jason. So, should great, be interesting. Great to have you here, David, and, uh, um, this is a bit of an interesting topic. We're going to do seven weeks on this. So uh, I'm I'm really interested to see what you're going to bring out of this series. So it's uh, it's good to have you back, and uh, of course you like to start your programs by sharing something significant, and uh, mm. often it's a reading from somewhere in the Bible. What have you got for us today? Yeah, thanks, Jason. I've I've shared my journey as a Christian, uh, both blessings and challenges. I've shared a number of proverbs. The last series, I shared a number of psalms that I've liked, uh, and there's so many to choose from that was difficult to pick them. But in this series, I want to share seven of my most significant passages in the Bible. And today, I want to start with John three. Now, everybody knows John three sixteen, but I'm going to read a bit broader than that. Um, I'm going to read from John three fourteen. To 16. And I'm reading from the New King James. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This this passage for me is, is really significant because it speaks about, it draws a connection to Moses and, and an event in the Old Testament that foretold what would happen to Jesus. Mm. As the Israelites are drawing closer to the Promised Land, they come past the Red Sea and they're reminded of their first crossing of the Red Sea. And as they pass the Red Sea and they get closer to the Promised Land, they because it really wasn't that far from the Red Sea, but they went the long way around. And as they're coming back past this area and heading towards the Promised Land, there are some rebels that are still in the group. Now, God said because they disobeyed and wouldn't go in, that generation wouldn't go in. And there was a few of them still around and they were stirring up the people. And as they're stirring up the people, God sees that this is going to affect the new generation and perhaps even stop them from going in. So in, in grace, in mercy to the new generation, God sends poisonous snakes into the camp. And as he sends the snakes in, they start biting people. People are challenged. They, they will not just challenge. They are, they are, are the, um, they're desperate for salvation. So God tells Moses to go and make a snake, put it on the pole, carry it through the, 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 the camp. And all the people have to do is look at the snake and they'll be saved. And this is a representation of Jesus. Jesus himself is saying, that represented me. And what I love about this verse is that it links to a verse in, in uh, Corinthians where, 
where it says that uh, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, and that's mm. the, the image of the snake being lifted up on the pole. It's the image of sin. Mm. So when we read these verses about how much God loves us and what he did to save us, I love it that he shows us that he takes our sin completely. He becomes sin for us, and that's how he saves us. And we often miss that verse in 14. And when we miss it, we miss some of the completeness of how God saved us and how much he gave his son for us. Mm. That's what I like about that one. I think it's fantastic. You know, last night um, in our men's group, we studied the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know, going up uh, in Genesis 22 where uh, Abraham was asked to to take Isaac up onto the mountain and offer a sacrifice and uh, you know it's just so much I hadn't really understood Mm -hmm. until I studied this again last night that how much there's parallels in these Old Testament things that pointed Mm. to Christ himself and uh, yeah Mm. that was another another scenario that was pointing to the work of Christ. Yes and there's a possibility that Abraham may have thought that Isaac was the one Mm. and that's why he knew he'd be resurrected but you know for him to have to do that act Mm. and it turned out to simply be an act of faith. Mm. Um, but, but must have been so but challenging. De- it's so well demonstrated what Christ was going to do as well. So. Yeah, mm. yeah. God provided a lamb for us. So mm. I feel this passage is a really good lead-in for today's program, entitled The Seven Churches. So that's this, the first significant seven of Revelation, because Jesus is again speaking to John, but this time he has a very direct message to each of us, um, or each of them, which we'll see shortly. Mm. Okay, so um, we've uh, finished off your previous series, which was uh, the teachings of Jesus, Lost and Found, and so we will encourage our listeners, if you didn't catch all of those, uh, there's quite a few episodes in those as well, you can find those on the Faith FM website, that's uh, faithfm.com.au. It's a very easy way to listen, uh, whether you, even on your phone, you can go to the website if you want to, or you can download the Faith FM Australia app and you can listen to those there as well. So the teachings of Jesus, Lost and Found, it's both under our Tassie Encounters program and also under a separate uh, series called The Teachings of Jesus. Um, so, David, we're going to be looking at um, the uh, seven churches today, and I know that mm. there's going to be many other things, the seven seals, and um, mm. I, I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but it's <laughs> going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I do want to just remind our listeners to uh, write this number down. This is our show number today, 0488 880 we will have a free book offer coming up, and we've got a question for you as well. So that's 0488-880-891. We would love to hear from you today. So text us in where you're listening from. Um, if you've got any questions or if you've got an answer to our question, we would love to hear from you today. So uh, how would you like to get us started today, David, on the significant sevens of Revelation? Mm, yeah, thanks, Jason. So let me let me just overview quickly the the the, the sevens we're going to look at: seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven signs, the seven bowls, the seven thousand years. We're going to look at that, and then we're going to wrap it up with a very special summary. But today, what we're going to look at is something entitled the seven churches. And so it, it, it's, uh, it is a significant 
one of the sevens because it's the first one. <clears throat> and also, as we go through the series, we, we'll see some significant things that Jesus shares with us about his actions in relation to mankind down through the ages. But first, before the break, I always ask the listener question, and what I would like to ask you today is, what was the first church you remember attending? What was good about it? What was not so good? That's an easy one for today. So we would like to hear, what was your first church experience? Mm. Um, my first one was, I remember the attending the um, Brighton Baptist Church in Brighton, Brisbane, Queensland. So that really summarises where, where, where I was from. Uh, today it's no longer a church. It's been turned into a residence and it's in the middle of a middle-class suburb that's been developed a number of times to what it is today. If you go there today, you'll see it's a bit more modern. But it's not surprising because when I was young, I thought it was... I had to go drive, ride ages here to the beach or the waterfront. But it's only two kilometres from the waterfront, so it's not that far, which is why it's grown so much. I remember early on that numbers were quite high, but by, by the time I joined the Air Force in... 1982 the numbers had really dwindled and it was only about 10 years after that that the church itself closed and obviously somebody bought it uh, turned it into a residence so it's quite a nice residence today uh, i remember the church was quite nice uh, it was a bit conservative but i really enjoyed the sunday school teaching uh, i remember the teachers were kind on the whole uh, the pastor was young and he was really inspiring uh, pastor allen was the was the pastor there and, oh, look, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but again, like I said, it was a little bit small. Uh, the Baptist Church in Sandgate, which was the neighbouring suburb, it closed about another five years after that. And the building's still there today because I think it was uh, a heritage building and now it's a daycare. I remember going and having vacation Bible schools there down at the church on the, the waterfront. And my grandfather was a minister there for some time. Um, you know, we often have g good memories about a church, but uh, often it's the bad ones that stick in our mind. <laughs> mm. So today we're going to look at a mix of churches, both good and bad, and uh, the listener question again. What was the first church you remember attending, and what was good about it, and what was not so good about it? Now, David, mm. I'm just going to suggest, well, maybe we've got some listeners who have never attended a church, so mm. maybe they could answer the question, um, what uh, has stopped you from attending a church? So oh, yeah, that's Maybe, good. who knows? Uh, we yeah. can't assume that everyone has actually attended a church. So. Yeah, but, yeah, cool. what was your first church uh, that, that you remember attending, and what was good about it, and what was not so good? So 0488 880 891. We would love to hear from you today and uh, do text us in your answer. This uh, first song that we've got for you today is called A Better Word by Bethany Barnard. I'm guilty and I 
Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we are talking with David Maxwell on the topic of the seven churches. Now, we did ask you a question before the break. What was the first church you remember attending, and what was good about it, and what was not so good? And of course, if you've never been to church before, perhaps uh, you'd like to tell us uh, what holds you back from attending a church. Text us in 488 so, David, we're looking at the significant sevens of Revelation in this series, Ooh. and um, we're starting with the topic of the seven churches, and it's uh, interesting that we, we read a passage from John, Ooh. John three fourteen to 16, but also John is the writer of Revelation again, and uh, he's, he's speaking some very direct messages to some churches. So, uh, how would you like to uh, open this up today? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Today we're going to look at the first of the sevens mentioned in Revelation, and that's the message to the seven churches that were existing in John's day. So they were literal churches. By the end of the series, I hope, I pray and hope, that you'll appreciate Revelation in a new light. You'll see it in the light of the first few words of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I hope that that's what you'll see because we often focus on all the things in Revelation and we forget that in some way these things are revealing Jesus to us. So how are they revealing Jesus? That's what we want to look at. So first I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you, Jason, if you can read the first few verses of Revelation. So let's pray for our listeners. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this revelation of yourself in this book of your Bible. Lord, of your word, uh, we pray that you would open this word to us and that we would understand what you have to say to us today and all of our listeners may as well, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, would you mind reading Revelation 1, 1 to 4, the first part of verse 4, in the New Living Translation? Thanks. Sure. It says, This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Thanks, Jason. I remember we were talking about seven um, significant things, and it brought to my mind uh, a movie that I once heard about called The Magnificent Seven. Now, I haven't seen the movie, 
but it was made in 2016. I did a bit of research on it, or I really should say remade, because it was a, a recasting of an original 1960s Western, and I'm sure I've probably seen the magnificent, that one. I'm sure I've seen that one. Um, I've read the reviews about it, and, and what it, this movie was about was a group of greedy men taking over a town in America's frontier in 1879. Uh, the townsfolk by this by this group that took over the town and forced uh, they actually brutally forced the townsfolk to work in the gold mine. Um, two of the the, the the townsfolk decide to leave and get help, and they find seven skilled men to come and help them. I think they're of probably dubious character, but never mind. This is the this is the type of thing that Hollywood puts forward. Uh, in this fierce battle, then, that ensues between the gold baron and his men and these seven rescuers, four of the rescuers are killed, but they do actually liberate the town eventually, of course, because that's the way Hollywood goes. But in the end, the townsfolk praise them for being so magnificent. And, and one of the lines that I read in the review was that they said that they were so magnificent because they came to the rescue of the town even at the cost of their own lives. Four of them lose their lives. Mm. Throughout Revelation, we see some magnificent sevens, and as we see God's progressive attempts to save as many humans as possible uh, from this world, which has been held to ransom, its people have been forced into labour, and, and I say that um, meaning sin. We've been forced into sin, and we are trapped in sin. Uh, and this rescue attempt costs the life of God's own son, as we read in, in John chapter 3, mm. Jesus Christ. However, we were and are liberated, and what makes Jesus so magnificent is that he came to rescue us even at the cost of his own life. So within this series, we're going to look at the lengths that God goes to to do this, and we're going to start it by looking at the messages to the seven churches. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so in the opening scenes of the book of Revelation, after both John and his revelator, the one that's giving him this message, Jesus Christ, are introduced, John shares that he is given these visions or messages to give to the seven churches which are in uh, Asia, and that's in Revelation 1 and verse 11. These messages have local as well as prophetic significance, which we'll see soon. So, firstly, in John's day, there were more than just these seven churches. So we see seven in Revelation that are mentioned, and I'll highlight them in a moment. But there's more than just those seven churches. There was Troas, Miletus, Colossae, Heropolis, and these are just a few of them. But these are named in Acts chapter 20, verse 6, 17, Colossians 1 and verse 2, 2, verse 1, and 4, verse 13. So you can look up those verses, and you can see these other churches that are mentioned. So it's not just these seven churches. However, John is only given a letter each for one of the, for each of these seven churches, um, which, however, they all get to read, because right at the beginning, uh, he says in verse 11, uh, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. So you know, uh, the seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. So all of them get to see what's happening in the other churches. Now, I don't know if you would like that, but mm. I wouldn't like all of our dirty laundry to be broadcast across all the other churches in Tasmania or Australia. Mm. 
you know, but that's what happens in these. So there's some, there's, there's some real significance here. Mm. And uh, obviously those churches at the time, as you mentioned, you know, they were specific churches, but uh, mm. they uh, also, you know, God must have known that there was significant relevance in the future as well in uh, representing the, you know, the wider Christian church. Yes, yes, and and we'll see that as we unpack it, Jason. You know, for each of these seven, there are particular issues that Jesus wants to ad- address in those real churches, of course, but it's also for for other reasons. So while each of the churches appears to have something of worth, um, something that's worthwhile in the church, in this list of churches, Jesus addresses a, a key number of issues. Ephesus seems to have lost its first love. Smyrna seems to have remained faithful. Pergamos uh, has become compromising with evil. I'm just summarising these. We'll look into these a little bit deeper in a moment. Um, Thyatira is becoming corrupt. Sardis is dead. Philadelphia is doing God's work. And it's really interesting that that is one of the only ones now, if you go there, that there's barely anything left of that city. Satan has completely surrounded that little, that old city. Fascinating if you go there. Laodicea is arrogant, self-centered, and asleep. And although these were the traits of the physical seven churches in Asia of John's day, because there were more than just those seven churches in Asia, it would appear it would appear that there is a wider application to having had chosen just these seven to write to. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So yeah. Go on. So Can you say something? There's uh, multiple applications in in these letters. They're not just specific for those, but there's there's applications that can be um, learnt uh, to you know even our time. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And and many people gravitate to one particular view, and then they just say, "No, this is the only view that was only for the seven churches." Other people will say, "Oh, it represents the seven church periods down through time," and they won't even recognise that it was speaking to the seven physical churches as well. So they lose some of the significance of what's being said. Uh, and then other people will say, no, no, it's just for the future, you know, or whatever it might be. They they just focus on the one. But I believe that uh, that all three have relevance, mm. all three have relevance, you know, writing to the exact churches. Well, there's a purpose for that. Mm. And there's a purpose why it was only those, those seven, you know. It, it does address the real issues in those churches, which would appear that the letters also uh, correspond to seven historical church periods because when you look in history you see there was there was uh, evidence that in this period the church related to this particular church Ephesus and then in the next period it related to this and the next and the next as it goes down through history and and I also believe when you read it as most of the bible is there's relevance for us today as well mm. it's fascinating that so much of scripture has multiple applications not mm. just for the uh, direct people at the time but uh, applications for different times in history and often to us today as well yeah yeah and we've got to not miss that original uh, relevance otherwise mm. we do miss some of the meaning mm, for sure now our question to you today what was the first church that you remembered attending uh, let us know what was good about it and what was not so good. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, or perhaps if you've never attended a church before, um, maybe you could share with us what uh, might be holding you back from finding a church and attending that as well. 
So right now, this is As Sure as the Sun by Ellie Holcomb. Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Today we're speaking with David Maxwell on the series The Significant Sevens of Revelation. And uh, we've been talking firstly on the topic of the seven churches. Now, David, before the break you were saying that these seven letters to the churches addressed some real issues that were obviously going on in those churches at that time. 
the first century churches, but it also appears that these letters correspond to perhaps uh, seven historical church periods, as well as uh, other issues that arise in all churches throughout history. Mm. So, mm. so um, it's amazing, isn't it, that a message mm. written in around AD 90 can have so many applications. Mm, mm. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, I believe within the first chapter we see how this is relevant. I'm going to read it just a number of verses, and I'm going to sort of jump around a little bit, so for the sake of time I don't read the whole lot. But please, uh, read the whole first chapter of Revelation, and it'll help you understand. So I'm going to read uh, Revelation 1, verse 11, and I'm going to read just uh, part of it. Um, this is clearly from Jesus. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, he says, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And then he names them. So they're all, they're all going to get this message, as I said before. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. This is verse 12. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now that's, that's really interesting. Seven golden lampstands. And then the first part of verse 16 he also sees he had this this person this being that john sees had in his right hand seven stars Mm. and then in verse 20 those two images are explained the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are seven churches Mm. so given that as we said before there's more than just seven churches in Asia at the time, are we saying that God only has angels or, or messages or messengers, sorry, or, or uh, divine beings to look after seven of the churches and the rest are left to their own? I'm sure, uh, he, I'm sure he has uh, an angel for each church, at least yes, one. <laughs> so that's it, that's it. So this is why, this is one of the reasons. These are, these are the points I want you to remember as we go through this, this uh, talk today. Seven in the Bible is the number of God, and it's the number of perfection or completeness. Six is the number of man. And that's fascinating in its own. Maybe one day we'll look at the sevens and the sixes and compare them. Um, There were more than seven churches in John's day. That's another point. These messages were sent to all the seven churches to read, so they had broader application than just their own church. And the angels of the churches were represented by the seven stars in Jesus' hand. And as we said, we're sure that there were more than, you know, God had angels or or messages or messengers that went to all churches. But Mm -hmm. these specific seven churches were mentioned for a reason. So I believe that these messages applied to the physical churches in their day first and foremost, and it helped and encourages and it addresses the issues that they are actually facing as a church. I also believe that each message was addressed, um, well, it addressed similar issues in all of the other churches. So when when they wrote, when they read about what happened in Ephesus, there was probably some evidence of that in some of the other churches, and they'd be able to say, "Oh, you know, that's happening here too." Now that we see that God is speaking directly about this, maybe we should take notice as well. So I can see that. I also also believe that these particular messages address different church periods in history. So when you look at history, I do see there's a matching of these messages, right? The first church, you know, what they were like. The second church period, era, what it was like. The third, the fourth, right down to today. Um, And I see that uh, 
God's faithful church or people exhibit some of these same characteristics. And I also see in all churches that some of these characteristics exist. So this is how I see it being able to address all of these applications, not just one particular application, as people have said, as I mentioned earlier. So what are the messages? Now, I'm because of our shortness of time, I'm only going to be able to overview them. You're able to read this from Revelation chapter 2, uh, verse 1, the, church, the message to the church of Ephesus, through to the uh, end of chapter 3, where it talks about the church of Laodicea. So please read those sections for yourself. In Ephesus, while they're praised for their persistence, Jesus admonishes them for their lack of Love, And that's really interesting because Ephesus was a church commended for its love. But because of a particular thing that happened over time, they seem to lose that first love. In Smyrna, they've remained faithful. They've remained faithful. They're not condemned for anything. And they are under suffering uh, with dire persecution, and they're encouraged to persevere. Pergamos is encouraged for its faithfulness. But it's denounced that some of them are compromising with evil. God doesn't want us to do that. The church at Thyatira is again encouraged in what it does faithfully, but reprimanded for allowing a false prophet to be in the church. Uh, Sardis, uh, there are a few who are remaining faithful to God, very few. There's not much left of Sardis. It's dying or it's a dead church. It thinks it's great, but it's dead. Um, But it's not beyond hope. That's the message you get in there. Philadelphia is a great encouragement. They they really have this great encouragement because they're under intense persecution and they're remaining faithful. And as I said, you look at it today and Satan has completely enveloped that little old um, city of Philadelphia. It's just one city block left and barely anything there. Um, And the Laodicean church is told to wake up because it's becoming self-sufficient, blind, and devoid of the things of God. However, within each of these messages, there's hope. At the end of each message, there's an encouragement. doesn't matter whether it's reprimanded for being, you know, having nothing good in the church or whether it's encouraged for having everything good and being faithful. At the end of each message, there's this encouragement that even within these churches, even the one that's dead, God has those who are faithful. He says, hold on to what remains in Sardis, you know, hold on to what remains. There's a bit, a bit of hope there. And, and this message is both encouraging, uh, encouraging to those who are faithful, who remain faithful, as well as to those who are struggling, um, that there is hope. And it says, to him who overcomes, when there's no love in the church of God, um, to him who overcomes when there's persecution in the church, to him who overcomes when the church is compromising with evil, to him who overcomes when it's becoming corrupt, to him who overcomes when the church is spiritually dead, to him who overcomes when the church revives and is faithfully doing God's work, and to him who overcomes even when it becomes arrogant, the church becomes arrogant, self-centered, or falls asleep. Jesus says, to him that overcomes when in these situations and each one of these messages says a combination of these things they will eat from the tree of life 
They won't be hurt by the second death. They'll receive the hidden manna to eat. I wish we had time to delve into that topic. Wow, that'd be big. And a white stone and a new name. I'm looking forward to my white stone and a new name, if I'm faithful. Um, they'll have power over the nations. They'll receive the morning star, which in um, Revelation twenty two sixteen and Daniel 12 is a reference to Jesus. They'll be clothed in white. They'll receive the name of God and the name of the new Jerusalem and the name, the new name of Jesus, and they'll remain close to him forever. That is a fascinating promise for those in Philadelphia who are under such intense persecution, but they're remaining faithful. Um, I think that's fascinating, that one. You know, there's so many things they'll receive. <laughs> and then finally, for those who overcome the falling asleep of Laodicea, they will get to sit on the throne with Jesus. Mm. So it's fascinating, isn't it, that even though uh, these churches are in different states of being, I guess, different mm. conditions, mm. that uh, even even though that's the case, there's still hope, as you mentioned. And, mm. uh, of course, we might be uh, in a church that's like one of these churches, and, and yeah. yet we individually still have that hope. That we, we also have the ability to be saved regardless of the state of our church that we're in. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's because we're not saved as a church, yeah. are we? You know, yeah. we're saved individually. We have to be saved individually. So mm. the responsibility to be saved lies on each of us. Mm. Well, we've got our book offer today. It's called Amazing Prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. This is by the Review and Herald. Will these Bible prophecies affect your future? From Daniel, we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the four great beasts and a little horn, the ram and the goat, the Messiah appears. From Revelation, we've got letters to the seven churches, the seven seals opened, seven trumpets, the great red dragon, seven-headed leopard beast, three angels' messages, the seven last plagues, the great whore Babylon, victory over Satan, Satan bound for a thousand years, and the new earth. While this uh, book covers all of those things, and uh, if you stay tuned, you'll get the code after the break where you can um, text us in and claim your free book offer today. This is I Live For You by True Vibe. Like a father, you embrace me and you show the way back home. And now that I know the truth that you proclaim, I will keep trusting you to fill me up till only you remain. And I will not rest until my every word. Brings glory to your name All that I am All that I do I live for you Oh, 
save me from the debt I had to pay. So now I want to tell the world the difference you have made. You have changed the way I live and love and made my heart brand new. Now that we are joined together, I know I'm nothing without you. And now that I know the truth that you proclaim, I will keep trusting you to fill me up till only you remain. And I will not rest until my every word brings glory to your name. All that I am, all that I do, all of my life, ah, ah, I live for you. Listening to uh, Tazzy and Callis today, we're finishing up a program with David Maxwell on the topic of the uh, seven churches and um, our book offer we mentioned before the break. It's called Amazing Prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, and it covers a lot of what we're going to be covering in this series: the seven sevens of uh, Revelation, the significant Ooh. sevens of Revelation. Ooh. The code today for you to claim your free book offer is Revelation Number One. The word revelation and no spaces and the digit number one. Text that into 0488 880 891 to claim your free book offer. Sounds like uh, something went off in your household, David. Um, so, uh, before the break, David, you said that uh, we are saved individually. It's not We're not dependent on our church to save us. It's not a corporate salvation. It's an individual salvation, uh, even though our churches might be in one of these states. So, how would you like to finish this up? What message do you think God wants us to apply today from these messages? Yes, thanks, Jason. I apologise for that. Someone turned up at the front door. Uh-huh. Um, those things you just can't avoid, can you, when uh, you're working from home? That's it. Anyway, never mind. Look, uh, I, I really appreciate. I really appreciate the question. You know, there's, there's um, so many messages that God wants to apply from, apply from these messages in the Bible, from these. Um, or from all the words of the Bible, from God's word to the people he's speaking to initially and also to people all down through the ages. So uh, the application for each church applies to us today, and I'm only just going to look at the application for each church. As I've already mentioned, those issues that, uh, that it addressed, from the church of Ephesus, we learn to hold on to our first love, that is the love of Jesus and what he's done for us, even as we persist in our fight against corporate evils and signs or sins, sorry, in the church um, by people perhaps in the church. Now, Ephesus was reprimanded because although it was doing really diligent things, it was pointing out people who were coming in and, and drawing people away as, as Paul is on his way to Rome, he pulls together the church leaders at Miletus. Uh, this is the church leaders from Ephesus at Miletus, and he says, you know, you're doing great things, and don't forget what I've taught you, but 
um, watch out for people who are going to come in and distort the truth. And so they start doing that so diligently that they forget about the love of Christ. And so he says, don't lose your first love. That's the learning we have from Ephesus. Don't lose our first love while we're, you know, fighting for what's right. From the church of Smyrna, we learn that persecution is going to come from some people who say they're faithful but aren't. You know, and in other places in Revelation, we see that fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, family members, and I suggest even church members perhaps, are going to turn against the faithful people of God towards the end of time. We've got to be careful of that. From the church of Pergamos, we're... We're encouraged to remain faithful and not compromise with evils or or the temptations of the flesh. Now, that's important. Our world today is surrounded by immorality. It was no different in Jesus' day. It was no different in the first apostolic church and the churches that followed. But specifically, we've got to watch out for that today. From the church in Thyatira, we're, we're warned to watch out for false prophets. Jesus said that as he was here on earth. Ninety, you know, well, 60 years later, John is being reminded, watch out for these temptations of the flesh. You know, watch out for the unfaithful people in the church. Watch out for false prophets. And we continue faithful service to God, but in the meantime, Watch out for people who are being unfaithful and not speaking the truth. Mm. We only know that by reading the Bible, don't we? Mm. Yeah. Um, from the church in Sardis, where we're not to think more of ourselves than we ought. We should be more concerned with our heart condition than with our outward appearance. Sardis was more concerned about its outward appearance, and it says, "Hey, look at us. We are. Re- we really have a name for ourselves." But Jesus was saying to them, well, you don't actually have anything. (laughs) We've got to watch out for that. The Church of Philadelphia, we learn that under intense persecution, it's still possible to remain faithful because God is really in ultimate control and he's the one who has the final say on what is permitted and what is not. Each day of my life, I remember that. Because as I struggle with different things, as I face different situations, I remember that God is in control. And if he is for us, who can be against us, as the Bible says? And finally, from the church of Laodicea, we're warned that time is coming to an end. And we're, we're, we're not to be lulled into sleep thinking, ah, oh, you know, nothing's changed. We have everything. We've got the information. We've got the wealth. We have our own righteousness. We're, we're doing really well. We need to wake up, it says. Repent, acknowledge our emptiness, and be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can be ready for him to come. But rather than just pointing out the good and the bad in the churches, either in John's day or down through time or even our day, these messages to the seven churches in Revelation reveal to us God's mercy and patience to mankind. Mercy to help in the trials and patience through our disobedience and our failings. So I bring you back to the opening illustration of the Magnificent Sevens. Just like those seven... Uh, that were considered magnificent because they reached out to save others but even jeopardized their own lives. Jesus did the same. So too God wants us to consider that those who overcome are magnificent. If we live our life in humble service for the salvation of others, 
And I think that's really the key to the message of the seven churches. Where do you see yourself today? What kind of church are you in? Regardless of that, what's the challenge that you face and need to overcome? So I encourage each of us today, be persistent. Be persistent because God can give you the strength to overcome. And when you do, be sure to reach out and help others. Mm. Well, David, that's uh, a huge summary, I guess, of the Mm. seven churches of Revelation. As we were speaking during the break, we mentioned you could probably spend a whole year (laughs) studying the sevens of Revelation, and uh, we're going to do it in seven weeks, so it will be a little bit of a summary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, I think you've done really well to pick out the key points of these churches and uh, hopefully uh, all of our listeners can learn uh, something from those and we do encourage mm-hmm. you to go back and you know read these uh, passages directly f- for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. As you mentioned from Revelation chapter 2 through to, it was around about chapter 4, was it? Yeah, the end of chapter 3. End yeah. of chapter 3, yep. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what are we studying next week on the seven seal? Uh, sorry, the sevens of Revelation, the significant sevens of Revelation. Yeah, we're going to look at the seven seals. So in Revelation, it talks about seven seals that Jesus opens on this special scroll. And as we look at these seven seals, we'll discover God's good news to man as it's been delivered down through time. And and the seven seals are. Interesting. It's another one that we could spend seven weeks on, I think. But awesome. we haven't that time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, we'll do what we can. And uh, next Wednesday, when we're back on air live uh, today, just reminding you, is the uh, 5th of October. But next Wednesday, we're back on air live with Mark Falconer, and he's going to be talking on the topic of anxiety and uh, mm. that's uh, a very relevant one i think many people these days yeah. suffer from anxiety and it's uh, something we need to gain some wisdom and advice from the scriptures so do mm. uh, would encourage you to listen in next week remember our book offer today amazing prophecies of daniel and revelation and the code is revelation number one Text that in to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one to claim your free book offer today. Thank you, David, and I look forward to joining you next week. Uh, this is Behold, Behold, Revelation by Carolyn Cobb and Sean Carter. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. I see a city coming down. Like a bride in whitest gown Purely dressed I see the pilgrims coming home All creation finds shalom The promised rest The Lamb of God
that's broken He will mend and make new And we will see Him face to face As He wipes our tears away Death is through And all the ransomed and redeemed From every tongue and tribe will Come